Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning, Bridge Church. It's so good to be here with you all on this uh, Heat Advisory Sunday. (laughs) I feel like that week was just a lot, but we made it, praise God. At the end of the service, I think we should just do a special prayer for our window AC units, which have really been doing the work of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> no, it's good to be here with you all. First, I want to just give honor to God and thank the pastors here for the opportunity to preach again. Um, my name is Angelica, like they mentioned. I'm a, men- I'm a member here at Bridge Church. For the month of July, I'm sure you've noticed if you've been coming, we haven't been working through a particular book of the Bible or a sermon series. In fact, we were asked to kind of bring something that the Lord was teaching us spiritually or a verse that the Lord was kind of bringing to our attention to help us. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the journey of growth as a believer. And I hope this message helps somebody today. Um, But I've been a Christian for a while now, and uh, I've experienced the highs and the lows of walking with the Lord. The highs I would describe are times when you just cannot imagine any other uh, reason other than the Holy Spirit enacting in your life, where you just feel like God is ordaining your steps, where you're positioned, where you feel like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Right. I feel like every New Yorker in this place has a story about like how they got their apartment. Like that's always the big story. It's like divine intervention. That's how I got the place where I live today. Your apartment or houses. Right. Let me not limit God. Yeah, both. Right. Amen. Amen. Your house or your home. Right. Uh, for me, I have a very random story, but I was walking on 14th Street in the city by the Nordstrom Rack, and I'm walking kind of in New York mode. And there is a lady on the side of the street. She was kind of asking for money. And, you know, I'm in New York mode, so I'm walking. I dip into the store as fast as possible. I'm doing things, and I clearly hear the voice of the Lord say, go back and give her money. And I'm like, okay, well, I am also looking for my size, but when I'm done, I'm going to go give her the money. Yeah, I'm doing something right now. And after that, I walk back down, and I just have the money in my purse. I'm like, I don't know why, but I just feel like God is telling me to give you this money. It's like $26, something super random. And she's like, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. I was fundraising. This is the last amount that I needed. She was doing mission work, being a missionary somewhere. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wow. And I'm walking away. I'm like, yo, how'd you do that, right? Like, how'd you know? Because I wasn't going to. And then you just made that happen, right? Those are the highs. And I've also experienced the lows where there's been times in my life and in my walk with Christ that I felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be, right? It's like, I didn't really sign up for this part though, right? Like, this is not where I felt like I would be, where you're leading me. I don't feel like you're answering my prayers. I don't feel like you're with me. I kind of feel like you've forgotten about me, right? So sometimes we hear about the highs and we hear about the lows, but what I want to talk about today is the in-between, right? Where you may feel like your faith is just a bit stagnant, You know, it's not advancing, kind of plateauing. And maybe you fell off. Maybe you haven't been coming to church. Maybe you haven't been in your word as much. Your prayer life is kind of surface level. But you're just feeling like your faith is kind of coasting, right? That's what I want to talk about today. And I have felt these times when in my faith, and I know some of you have all have felt this as well, because I'm friends with y'all, and we've talked about it. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about the middle, right? And with my faith is stagnant, and I don't know how to get back on track, I've asked God, where do I grow from here? 
in this season? Where do I grow from here? Y'all with me? Sort of. Okay. All right. Here we go. This question led me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And Peter makes it really, really plain. He says, he reminds the Christians in his letter that the way to grow in your faith is to work to live a more godly life. That's it. If you want to experience growth, live a more godly life, right? So plain and simple, period, as the kids say. That's it. That's all you need to do. Well, how? How are we supposed to live a godly life? And that's what he breaks down in the verses after. So the way that I want to structure this, the way that I studied it is there's two parts. There's God's resources and then there's our responsibility. And I just want to define resources really quickly because this is not human resources, right? Shout out, shout out to HR, anybody in the building. But this is not where you get into a situation and you're in uh, a sticky situation. You need someone to intervene. This is not a time when you feel like you need a helpline. He is that. But what Peter is talking about is just a little bit deeper, right? This is a resources and the source of being as believers. Resources can also be defined as a supply of assets that can be drawn on by a person in order to function effectively. A seed needs sunlight, water, soil, nutrients to grow, right? I've killed enough plants to know that this is not just nice to have. These are necessities, right? The seed needs these things. These are essential for growth. So what are our essentials for growth? What is our nutrient, our sunlight, our water that we have from God? So we're going to start reading in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, it's a little bit wordy, but there's two things that I want to pull out of here as our resources for growth. The first one is divine power, right? And this is God's power that he gives to us. In his word, it's described in many ways, depending on how the person needed God to exercise his power, right? It's described as being infinite and abundant. We had such a good worship set. Uh, I wonder if there's a particular song that comes to mind when you think of God's power. His wonder-working power, right? The power in the name of Jesus. And if you thought this was the time I'm going to start singing, absolutely not. No, I know my limits. OK, no, I'm not singing. But I'm just saying the way that they describe power in song is so beautiful. Right. God has the power to deliver, to create, to save, to sanctify. And he is ruling. He has authority over Satan and darkness and evil and sin and any of Satan's schemes. And when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit is imparted within you. Therefore, you also have divine power in your life. You're able to have authority over the enemy in any darkness, any schemes, any sin that the enemy has. The, the word of God says it indwells inside of you. And this is important because even when you're feeling weak in your faith, even when you're feeling like you don't have the power to defeat sin, just because you're not tapping into the power doesn't mean it's not accessible, right? This, you have power. You have divine power. But how many know that power in the wrong hands can lead towards destruction? So not only does he give us his divine power and authority in his name to rule over the enemy, he also gives us his nature so we know how to direct the power. So after Peter talks about the divine power, he goes into the precious and very great promises from God. And then we end up in verse four, divine nature, so that through them, and that's our promises from God, 
you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God gives us his divine nature. This is his God-like nature that he imparts in us through his spirit. Again, this is indwelling in you. This is how we're able to operate in a spirit of love, how we're able to turn the other cheek. It's not because of us. It's because of God's divine nature. We're no longer shackled to our human sin nature, right? Now we have a new nature, a God-like nature. To be a partaker of the divine nature means that we experience some of God's qualities here on earth, and now we resemble him. What does this mean for us, divine nature? It means you don't always have to do what your flesh is telling you to do, right? You have options. You have divine nature inside of you. He's given us his divine power to triumph over sin and his divine nature to escape sin. Those are our resources. That's our soil and our nutrients and our sunlight and our water. That's what we have from God. In addition to our resources, we also have our responsibilities. Y'all still with me? Okay, okay, okay. We have our responsibility. This is the second part. And we're going to continue with verse 5. For this very reason, and that's referring to the precious and very great promises of God, make every effort to supplement, as in to add to your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's something you may have noticed as I was reading is it's the repetition, right? Peter says virtue and it says it again and says knowledge and says it again. Peter is using a literary device called sorites and sorites is a set of statements that proceed step by step to a climactic conclusion. And the message version says it like this. It says each dimension fitting into and developing the others. He's using this for emphasis so we don't just read on by. We want to take a breath at each one and focus on them. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through these seven qualities or characteristics or virtues. Again, are ways that you can live a more godly life, therefore experience growth. And these are not definitive as in these are the only things that you could do to lead a more godly life. But our time here today is, amen? So we're going to go through these seven. (laughs) But you can imagine that there's other things that you can do to lead a more godly life. And as we go through the seven, I know seven is a lot. So if you would begin to ask the Holy Spirit to direct you towards the one. Right? Where is the one where you can experience the most growth right now? So open your hearts right now as we go through. The first one is virtue. This is good character, moral excellence, moral purity, and a brightness of character. Looking to do good in the world we live in and behave in a way that reflects goodness. We see an example of this when Jesus is talking through the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? He's talking about how to treat your neighbor. And the priest walks by and the Levite walks by, the religious leaders of that time. And it takes a Samaritan to come by where this guy is beat up on the side of the road and basically left for dead. To tend to his wounds, to put him up for the night, to take care of him as an example for how to treat your neighbors. If you're looking to grow in virtue, you might ask yourself, are you always looking for the right thing to do? Do you need to grow in virtue? Who are you when no one is around? When no one is watching, how do you act? Do you practice what you preach? That's virtue. The next one is knowledge. 
This is a better spiritual understanding, acquired information. This is a deeper understanding of our God through his word, through prayer, and so forth. I like it says this, wanting to do good is not enough. We must know what good is by knowing God. And this takes me back to my Sunday school days and my children's church days. Same with Bridge Kids Upstairs, right? You're learning the basics of the faith. Who is Jesus? What is the Trinity? What do we know Moses for? What's Noah known for? Who's David? Who's Daniel? These are the characters of the Bible. And then you start to put them into order. Is this, what book of the Bible is this from? Is it from the New Testament or the Old Testament? We're learning the books of the Bible, right? We're singing songs. We're doing Father Abraham. Oh, that was back in my day. We're doing Father Abraham. You're singing the songs. You're going to learn what this faith is all about, right? But how many know as you mature in your faith, you should be maturing in your knowledge of God, right? It hurt my feelings when I was studying this. The Lord told me this. Are you quoting the same handful of scriptures? Not because they're always applicable, but because you don't know anymore. He was talking to me, though. I don't know if he was talking to me. He's talking to me. You don't know anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? What is the evidence that you're growing in your knowledge of the word? Are you actively working to read, to study, to memorize verses? Let's know some more, right? How many know you want to grow in knowledge? The third one is self-control. Mastery of self. Disciplined moderation. Controlling one's desires and passions in the midst of temptation. We see another example of this in Jesus' life when he's wandering in the desert after he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil, Satan, is tempting him. He's tempting him with food to do a miracle. He's tempting him with to prove his identity. And Jesus never falls into temptation. Why? Because he's been exercising his self-control, right? And I want to bring us back to the Sorites, right? How one could fit into another, as Peter's describing. If you don't know the word of God, right? If you're having trouble with knowledge, it's going to be difficult to go into self-control. Because as Jesus shows in the story, the way that he's able to fight with Satan, the way that he's able to go back and forth is because he's quoting scripture. He's quoting the truth, right? And talk about the sword of the spirit. That's the word of God. That's going to be your bat. That's going to help you in the battle with Satan for self-control. Amen. So that's how we see that. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how you quote scripture back to Satan. This is the question. Here we go. Do you have control over yourself? Are you in control of your eating habits, alcohol, sex, pornography, spending habits, binging, social media? What in your life feels a bit out of control? And I just want to pause it really quickly because if you feel like this is when the Holy Spirit is leading you towards in terms of growing in self-control, a practical step would be to get an accountability partner. I have been an accountability partner and I've needed an accountability partner, right? Someone you can call up or text and say, listen, I'm struggling with this. The devil is trying to tempt me in this area. I need you to speak some truth into my life. Maybe you're a part of a growth group. Someone in your growth group could be an accountability partner, your growth group leader. Who did you come here with today, right? If you don't have anybody, you could talk to the pastors. We can get you an accountability partner, right? Let's not leave here today without addressing the things that that could be taking us off course in our faith. Do you have self-control? The fourth one is steadfastness. This is perseverance, endurance, passionate patience through trials. I'm saying this. He was talking to me with this sermon, but I'm really saying it out loud. Can he call you patient? 
Can he call you patient? We want to be steadfast for the things that we're longing for through trials. Is there a gift that you feel like God has placed in your heart that you have yet to see come to fruition? Is there healing that you're praying for somebody or for your own body and you just, the symptoms have not gotten better? Is there a person that you're praying for to come to Christ and it's been years and you kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't move forward with this. Are there desires of your heart that you're waiting for God to use and to see fulfilled? Because let me tell you, this single life ain't always easy. Sometimes I'm like, God, send a one, not anyone, but send someone, right? But let me tell you, if you're not exercising steadfastness in your walk with God, whatever stage you're in, you're not going to magically wake up with steadfastness moving forward. Wherever you're going and your path is leading you, if you're looking to be married or in a relationship, but you're not practicing being steadfast now, how do you think you're going to wake up in marriage where you need steadfastness again, right? And then when you get married and you're looking to have a child, but you're praying steadfastly for a child, right? And then you have the child and then you're thinking, whoa, wow, I need to add steadfastness for this child to get out of this phase. You know what I'm saying, parents? You know what I'm talking about? We are praying always and our lives need to be oriented around being steadfast. How many want the Lord to count them patient? Count them patient. The fifth one is godliness. And this is to live God-like. A devotion to God. Holiness. Godliness refers to behavior that reflects the character of God. And when I was studying this, I was trying to figure out the difference between virtue and godliness because they kind of seem very similar. We're living right, trying to do better and live right. Well, the answer is godliness is doing right, not because of yourself, but because you want to reflect the divine nature of God. Divine nature is really flourishing when you have godliness. And someone can be virtuous and have very strong morals for absolutely the wrong reasons. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that. Maybe you've seen them on the news. I don't know what kind of news you watch. But this is a strong morals for self-righteousness. You know what I'm saying? But that's not godliness. In Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sums this up. He says in verse 44, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And we're skipping down to verse 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, perfection might be a bit lofty, but to keep in mind that this is not us working within ourselves to become godly, right? We are drawing on the resources of God, and that's his power, and that's his nature. That's already inside of us to be able to come to fruition and flourish with these types of qualities. Do we resemble God? Number six of seven, brotherly affection. This is kindness towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. Warm friendliness is thoughtful consideration of fellow believers. This is supposed to come from a sense of connectedness and unity that you have for the people in this room, that you have for other believers. There should be something about you that says, if this person believes what I believe, there's something about them that connects me to them. When we foster brotherly affection, it's how we build a healthy church. And who wants to go to a church where you walk around and you act like nobody likes each other? Not me, not me. John 13 and 35 says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You could ask yourself at this church, at Bridge Church, we can make it local to 11 a.m. service, right? 
Is there a particular ministry or an open serving opportunity that you could sign up for to better love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is there an individual ministry that you need to start that God is telling you to start that you could help love your brothers and sisters in Christ? How do people describe you at this church? Do you love people well? Again, a quick PSA. If you're not a member of a church or you don't call Bridge Church your home, it would be very difficult to love and have unity and connectedness with people that you never see, right? You need to be around Christians. You need community. And we are always accepting new members. So if you'd like to join, you can join Bridge Church. The last one is love. And this is love for all. Sacrificial concern for the good of others. And again, I want to talk about Sorites and how Peter may have imagined brotherly affection to fit into love. If you're having a difficult time loving the people who at our core believe what you believe and believe that we're here for the reason to be disciples of Christ, you're going to have a hard time with love. You're going to have a hard time loving people who are the complete opposite of you, who would, would do something that you would never do, act the way you would never act, say the things that you would never say. But that's love, a sacrificial concern for others. I'm going to read this the way that the God told me when I was studying. Drawing on God's resources, it's my responsibility to freely love without inhibition. I'm not only loving the people who believe what I believe, but I'm looking past differences and loving others who are the total opposite of me. How? It's not me doing the loving. It's me making the effort. Do you see that? His divine nature is in me so I can love how Christ has loved. We're talking about sacrificial love when it's inconvenient, you know? God showed his sacrificial love for us and we can love sacrificially as well. In 1 Corinthians, it breaks down, if I have all these gifts and I have all this faith, but I have no love, then I have nothing, right? We're looking for sacrificial love. It's what puts it all together. In John 3.16, for God so loves the world. We can love others again because we've experienced that sacrificial love. And it ends with love. That's the climactic conclusion. There's meaning there. Why would he end it with love, right? Again, this passage was Peter's reminder that the way to grow in your faith is to live a more godly life. So going back to our initial question, where do I grow from here? First, you want to take an assessment. Are you actively incorporating these things into your spiritual life today? If not, we're going to supplement our faith, right? There's seven things here. Peter says to supplement your faith with these items. If we're talking about dietary supplements or vitamins, we don't take a handful of seven and take them at the same time. Like, yikes, you're choking. Not cute. No, you want to take one at a time. One at a time, right? What is one that the Holy Spirit has led you towards where you can grow from right there? And then you want to take practical steps for growth. I mentioned if you are needing to grow in self-control, you should probably get an accountability partner. If you're looking to grow in the knowledge of Christ, Bridge Church is having a Bible study in the fall. That would be great for you to start your knowledge of God. What is the practical steps that you can take? And lastly, just remember, you are drawing on God's resources to fulfill our responsibilities. You cannot do one without the other. You cannot take it within yourself and say, this is all my responsibility. And you cannot just say, I have God's resources, so all of these things will help me live a godly life. They work together. Y'all see that? Where do I grow from here is an actual question I ask myself. When I was coming to church and I was singing worship, but my heart wasn't in it. And if someone were to ask me, 
Where do you feel like God is growing you? Where do you feel like God is moving? I would have absolutely no answer. Why? Because it was never that God had rescinded his resources to me because I was not actively engaged in the growth and the responsibility for growth on my end. I hadn't accepted the responsibility for growth. I'll put it to you this way. The reality is that we cannot be sustained by stagnant faith. We need to work to get out of this middle ground and move forward into grow. Why? Because that's where the devil would have us to be, right? If you're already one foot off and you're one foot on, how easy for it to be when trials come or temptations come for you to just be like, actually, I may have changed my mind. We need to work to get out of this middle ground. This is urgent. And honestly, again, the Lord had to check me about this. One of the reasons why you're probably feeling stagnant in your faith is because of one of these seven reasons, right? For me, it was that I couldn't be as patient as God needed me to be, so I took a step back. So steadfastness is where I'm going to start again. Do y'all see that? That's where I'm going to start. Where will you start? Where will you start? If you've been a Christian for 30 years and you got baptized last month, growth is an essential part of believing. It's an essential part of our walk with God. These qualities, knowledge, self-control, and steadfastness, are proof of us partaking in the divine nature and exercising divine power. So for today and the week, the challenge is to identify one area for where you want to grow and take practical steps for growth. Amen? I'll pray. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit to direct today. Direct us where to go next so that we can be effective and fruitful in the knowledge of Christ and never fall. God, lead us to show us how to use your divine power and wield it in a way to defeat Satan. Lord, show us how to use your divine nature, God, and allow your spirit to flourish within us, God. These two together give us practical steps for growth and ask for help when we need it, God. In Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.